This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. is up everybody my name is james d fury and this is black bulb in i think it was 2018-19 i was the recipient of i think five libel notices uh for work that i did um i was just about to say as a journalist but at the time i would probably um as a um as kind of like a outsider who was sort of like blackballed from media and I had assets, I guess, like, you know, sources that were really good, but no publication wanted to touch me. And so I would just like, I would literally post them as notes, like, like literally breaking news as notes on Facebook. And there were a few things that I had to um, learn from that era. And um, you'd think that it was, don't say things that might get people to sue you. That would have been a great lesson. Instead, um, the lesson that I learned was most people that hand out libel notices, they don't, you know, it's like a threat most of the time. I'm not saying it is this time. I have no idea if it is this time or not. I do know that I don't think this case would have even been heard in Ontario because Alberta doesn't have anti-slap legislation. And I had a talk today with Karima and a couple other people, uh, one other lawyer and, and, and this other person. And I, you know, I don't, I know how to smoke a joint and pontificate and think about stuff, man. But like, I, I don't know the law. So I asked them uh, all if there was any possibility that I could sort of file a human rights complaint because as an Ontario citizen, it feels strange that I'm being um, sued under a set of laws that doesn't even apply to me. And I think um, if there was anyone made for the anti-slap legislation, not to toot my own horn, because it's really not something to brag about anyways, it's me. I, I you know, this is, uh, that's what I like podcasting so much. It's, well, not that I didn't do it before too, but, um, you know, I, I like, I used to like it for the mischief. I used to enjoy, like there was one example of a libel notice that I received in 2019, I think it was, um, from Vic Fideli, um, of the of the progressive conservative party of ontario under the stewardship of one doug ford um and vic fideli was uh on tv about a few days after patrick brown was sort of uh sandbagged uh, by our guest tonight in fact um <laughs> no way but the the watching vic fideli um go in front of the cameras and deliver this smarmy 
sort of declaration of believing women and um, and that you know just just being accused, he should have the wherewithal to step down. My God! And then I found out that he, at that while he was delivering that, had a person who was filing a complaint against him for sexual misconduct. And I was so like, I've seen a lot in politics. I've seen a lot of and hypocrisy is like, I, I always say um, that politics is um, really just the art of managing hypocrisy. It's really all it is. Um, you'll see uh, the liberals and the conservatives. So um, I, I should make a clip of this, but there is a, uh, on the veterans file, they show the liberals in opposition and they show the conservatives in power under Harper. And the conservatives are railing them over the um, obstacles that veterans have to face. They are, you know, grilling them over the, um, what was the big thing with veterans? Like just try, being eligible for their pension, I think. That, you know, a bunch of stuff that should have been more turnkey. A lot of people felt that Harper uh, and his government was being disrespectful to veterans. Yada, yada, yada. And then, uh, and of course, Harper in question period would stand up and he'd be like, oh, Mr. Speaker, we of course honor the brave men and women who serve our country with great honor. So they grandstand and then they'll, and then they just like ambiguously say something like, you know, we'll continue to, uh, to, to treat veterans with dignity and respect. Like, and it's just a nothing answer. But then the liberals won in 2015 and they did the same thing with the, uh, with the veterans file as the Harper government did. And the exact opposite thing happened. And it was hilarious to see because it's just, it, it, you know, it's one of those phenomenons that really like hypocrisy is just the cement and it's cheap Portuguese cement. So it doesn't hold the building together that well. <laughs> so it's just like, and that's only because sometimes, and I worked with them um, and I love uh, Portuguese food and um, that's about it. Um, but no, I'm just kidding. I found out the Portuguese were white. And so now I've been just going, uh, having a field day on the Portuguese because I'm allowed to be racist against white people, I think. Point is that these kinds of situations where, you know, where uh, suing somebody, oh, Victor Daly sued me because I leaked the document. I, I actually leaked the complaint um, and the email between um, the person that was accusing uh Vic Fideli and a radio host as they developed the brand or uh, the strategy meeting on how to launch the accusation. That's what it was. Cause I was pissed off at both sides. And that's why I posted, I just scooped all these journalists. And so these journalists were like, I was teasing them with what I had. And then when I saw that it was going to be one of these situations where everyone is just kind of slimy, uh, I just released it. So all these reporters hated me. They're like, because they were kind of competing against each other to see who would scoop who. And I just like willy nilly just threw it on Twitter. <laughs> just like, I don't care. Um, Lisa. Uh, how's her name? The big Irish lady. Um, uh, the, the, the MP for uh, Ottawa. Everyone knows who I mean. I, I have to go to the chat here, but um, anyways, she did it once too. I don't remember what I said. Another empty threat. Uh, Peter Mansbridge um, sent me a libel notice once. Nothing happened there. Another empty threat. And um, and my collection's pretty cool. Like if they were baseball cards, you know. I don't know who Peter Mansbridge would be. He'd be like Don Zimmer or something like that. My point is that they, when they're sent to media people, especially even 
like at the time I was like basically a gonzo journalist. It's a little, you know, the, the first one that you get, you're like, oh my God, what is happening? And then you're like, here's your Christmas gift. I wrapped it in a libel notice because, you know, it means nothing. So you might as well rip it. And then I got one today. I'm not going to show it because honestly, it's just a bunch of shit that I said on the podcast already. So the, the thing that they have problems with, and this is Shane and Edith Wenzel. They have problems with um, the pod, two of the podcasts that I was on with David Wallace. And if I may, let me just express my profound surprise that a podcast featuring David Wallace has resulted in lawsuits. I am just shocked as you are. Um, I don't know how I will recover from this shock, in fact, but I'll figure it out. Um, and so they are mad that... Uh, it was sort of the manner in which I speak. I'm really just saying information that I learned from the Klondike papers and from David and Richard Marsh. And so like I, I'm presenting it to the, to people like in a way that I guess it's factual, but it's not like I, this wasn't out before. They think that I, um, that the, the so the, what they're, they're mad at the def defamatory statements are the Wenzels knowingly gave money to a scheme to oust an elected official. I mean, um, the Wenzels used political donations as a pretext to distance themselves from illegal or immoral conduct. I mean, and uh, the allegations advanced by David Wallace of and concerning the Wenzels have been vetted by seasoned reporters. True. That's a little bit of a shot across the bow at Jesse Brown, who wanted to make sure that everyone knew that he was the only reporter reporting this. So maybe it does all fall in his lap. I'll have a talk with my lawyer as soon as I figure out who my lawyer is. Um, so uh, I, I don't know what to think, to be honest with you. The, the, the whole no slap legislation thing kind of worries me. I don't know where, where that's going to end up. But I mean, I don't know. Like, first of all, if you, if you look at the story, you know, if you're, even if you're trying to be generous to the Wenzels, and this podcast is brought to you by the letter A, a for allegedly the the alleged scheme um, that involved uh, David Wallace, political fixer turned whistleblower, who was sort of the he was the hired gun for the scheme. Um, they wanted to hire him to see if he could come up with a plan, and that's the plan he came up with. And then they hired him to execute the plan. And I'm using a, an ambiguous they there for now, but the idea that the Wenzels didn't know what um, what what was going to be done with their money, I personally find a little rich because they couldn't come up with an alternative, like where the money was going. Like, where did you think it was going? Do you make a habit of just handing 25 grand to somebody for no reason at all? And I think that uh, I'm probably okay with this, with this thing. I mean, it's, it's really fancy looking like the law firm looks like they've, uh, you know, they've updated to at least windows 10 you know like they 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 just seem it's just it's intimidating and and there's like bold lettering where all the horrible things that i said what the first thing that they put up was um this comment that i made i mean you're probably gonna i wonder if i can do myself justice i've never read my own quote before i mean you're probably going to suffer ridicule if you attempt to pay a political fixer to oust an elected official and it goes south 
Most of the ridicule that you're going to face, hopefully, is from yourself when you look in the mirror at night and try to figure out how you became so vacant and stupid as to do something like that. It's, it's, I don't know. <clears throat> I can't get sued for that. This is factual. And I honestly, the wherewithal, that's not a strong enough word, the audacity of these people to try to pretend after the evidence in the Klondike papers clearly shows and demonstrates that they knew exactly what they were doing. They knew exactly where their money was going. All right. I, I, someone could have said, simmer down, Sparky, at that point. But I mean, I don't know. Um, when you speak on a podcast about stuff that's already been reported, that's what the anti-slap legislation in Ontario was supposed to sort of protect. The idea, like, I think it's, yeah, Grand versus Torstar, where if a, a story's been reported already online, and then you're like second and up on the trough of that story, you're um, theoretically, you're, you're fine because you're not the one that, um, that originally put it out. So this doesn't feel very strong from my expert opinion as a high school graduate. <laughs> and, um, but another person who has a ton of experience in the realm of, libel notices and getting sued and the future host of the upcoming podcast known as the fix uh, of which i will be i'm pretty sure the uh, a a sort of like second tier kind of host guy that like make, makes everything go properly but david is the star of the show and he's here right now david wallace how are you oh, look at that how are you buddy i can't complain box of fluffy ducks um, I mean, it's funny because last week I was helping you find a lawyer. <laughs> Can I borrow your lawyer, man? <laughs> Why not? I mean, there seems to be more than, uh, more than a, a few who'd uh, like to sink their teeth into this case. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, you can, by now you can speak freely, right? I, I mean, there's a part of me that like understands if someone is innocent, why my comments would make them upset. And I don't know that, I know that's not a principle of like libel notices. You don't have to be innocent technically, I guess, right? But I mean, I'm pretty low hanging fruit on the grand scheme of things. I, I'm like the, what? The fifth guy in at the gangbang or something like that, right? The like, problem I'm, is you're reporting it. I mean, as you can see, things in Calgary and Edmonton have died down significantly, and there's a reason for that. It's called uh, exerting influence behind the scenes. So you dare to speak out about their alleged criminality, just like the mayor, former mayor of Calgary, uh, Nenshi, um, dared to speak out about their alleged criminality. And he was sued because these people have very deep pockets. So if the press um, engages in any sort of chatter, which they find be uh, embarrassing, then they'll sue you because that's what these people do. They they want me to issue the following uh, statement and keep it on, and I need to post the the. Uh, I guess it's. Do they think it's a video retraction? I just noticed that now. Um, I guess they want a video retraction that's posted on my podcast for thirty days. I guess it could be written, and this is what they want. And if anybody knows me at all. They have a better shot at getting the million dollars than they have at getting this. I want the rest <laughs> so of the money. Ima imagine me saying this, David. In the previous guy, the one of us is going to get it. All right. Live on the floor. Um, 
In previous episodes of the Blackballed Podcast, I've made several false and defamatory comments about the Wenzel family, implicating them in a scheme to entrap former Calgary Mayor Nahid Nenshi. In these podcasts, I have also given a platform to David Wallace to perpetuate these unfounded claims. I have removed the podcast that contain these statements. Like, I can't, I can't even like get through it without laughing because first of all, if you knew me at all, um, in these podcasts, I have also given a platform to David Wallace. I cannot stand the word platform. I, I just, I just can't. If anything, it doesn't have an ideology. It's a thing you stand on. So, okay, sure. But it, but the, now it's being used as like this verb, like you're exalting him. It's an endorsement if you have him on your program. And it's just like, no, it's not. Like, you know, so I'm uh, I'm afraid that um, that is probably not going to happen or we'll be negotiating for months about the word platform because that's more important to me than even this. I'm surprised they didn't want you to lick their boots too. Right? You know, um, now, we have been dealing with people like Mike Tarigno, allegedly, um, who uh, keeps sending emails like and, and saying things like, yeah, man, I sue for sport, man. And I'm just, okay. I, I don't know why you listen anymore. When you're a little dog I don't. I haven't got an email from him in like four days or something. Not in four days or something. But, the, you know, they sound pretty confident, like the people that swim in that ecosystem. But, I, I mean, how, if they sue for sport, first of all, how could you find a way to sue people if people have quotes from you that say you sue for sport? Like, oh, isn't suing for sport against the entire spirit of, you know, English common law or whatever? Like, like, you know, it just seems, again, high school graduate, I have no idea what I'm talking about most of the time. But, you know, it seems to me that there is a, um, <laughs> so there's a little bit of, uh, like, you know, misusing the courts. Like you're using the court as a racquetball court, basically, is what is what you're doing. Well, this is how they stifle dissent. And this is the only way they are able to stifle that uh, dissent is, is through slap lawsuits. It's a tried and true method. It's uh, worked for decades. And as you can see right now, the politics going on right there, a little bit ass backwards. And uh, this is uh, one of the tools that are available for these well, let's call them what they are, criminals. And I don't, I'm not going to say it's allegedly. This podcast um, is brought I, to you by I, the letter I, I A. The letter A, there. allegedly. Yeah, David, well, whatever. I mean, this is how they get away with it. This is how they get away with it. We're going to have to, we're going to have to talk about talking over each other. It was so funny. Um, well, when, let me talk. I know, I should. Um, you're right. Usually, I've been trying that lately, but I've noticed that with people that I kind of know, like with people that like I've been dealing with for a while, um, yeah, there's like a grace period of like, you know, the first interview, I'm probably just going to let you talk the whole time. Um, the second interview, a little bit more. Now, I'm going to probably soon start calling you by your last name and just busting your balls on a regular basis because, you know, you're you're there now, right? Like, it's, I know you enough that it's like, okay, that's David. What's going on, David? Like, you know, how many people are following you today? <laughs> Things like that. God knows. I mean, I got my own fan club. Yeah, no, I know. Um, and it's funny because David and I have discussions before he comes on air whether or not his hair should be up or down. Um, 
if anyone knows how to do a poll, can someone can someone do a poll about uh, David doing uh, putting his hair up or down? Um, and I strongly support poking fun of yourself and showing yourself taking out an elastic in slow motion with that bouncy hair just going all over the place. I think it would be dope. I really do. Oh, well, people get plenty of opportunity to see it during the upcoming trial because I can't wait for this. And if they're waiting for an apology from me, well, they'll be waiting longer than it'll take for uh, their premiere there to get a clue because it ain't going to happen. Yeah, they also said, please be advised that if we do not receive the above referenced retractions and confirmations prior to the close of business on December 13th, 2022, we anticipate, love that word, um, because it might not happen at all, probably won't. We anticipate receiving instructions to commence litigation to recover damages, including punitive and ag aggravated damages, plus legal costs on a solicitor and own client full indemnity basis and all other costs and damages the Wenzels have incurred as a result of your false, malicious, and defamatory statements. <laughs> regards. <laughs> regards. Regards. <laughs> Some guy. Um, Man, I, yeah. you know what? Uh, people talk about prostitution. Man, that's prostitution right in that right there. Because that's a, how can you say I, those things? I'd, I'd rather be a prostitute, I think, than a developer. Man, oh man. Like I said before, trash with cash. You're suing me anyways. And cut. A great, great Clint Eastwood impersonation, David. Well done. That's true. Let's hear the evidence. That's going to be the fun time. I okay, so so give us a recap, if you will, even though I'm getting sued for it, uh, and, and just try to make it like you're a lawyer. Okay, let's let's see if we can, in the spirit of English common law, do a podcast where we add the proper adverb before the salacious details. So instead of the Wenzels paid for a political scheme, you say something like allegedly the Wenzels paid for a political scheme, right? Allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. Yeah, there's all are kinds right. of illegality there. We don't even have to drag our heels on the Wenzels. We can talk about other things. We can talk about, let's talk about why Mr. Alan Holman solidly stands behind the Wenzels. It's because his kid recruited me for the job. Well, the Wenzels also. Allegedly, that's in the papers. And also in the papers, the Klondike papers, Alan Hallman offers to act as a go between between myself and the Wenzels so he can talk some sense in them to pay me the rest of the money they owe me. That's what that's that's why Alan Hallman is stepping forward. The okay. same reason why. And here I got a little I got a little secret for your viewing audience. Wait, before you do, can I just say one quick thing? Go ahead, go ahead. The reason why uh, Hallman stands behind the Wenzels is because the Wenzels refuse to let him stand downwind because. He's oh, yeah. yeah. I'm going to let the audience in. Yeah. Allegedly. You see, when Alan Holman paid for a hotel room, one that was coincidentally in the same hotel as the RCMP I met, I went in with instructions to tape the RCMP officer. The, the purpose of that was so Alan could use it to hand to his bent detective friend at the Calgary Police Service. They were going to use it as a pretext to try to get the RCMP investigation for identity fraud and theft thrown out, you see, because Alan's biggest issue was that he knew himself and his son were going to get caught for stealing those identities. That's what that was about. That's what's called going behind the curtain. You see, and I don't have to say allegedly because it's in the papers. Well done. Um, that, that wraps up the knocking 
segment, which is awesome. So, okay. Uh, le- le- the question that I would ask someone that I wouldn't know, which is um, probably a good question. Can you tell me all of the first person accounts that you have personally where the Wendells are there and you're discussing the scheme? Can you, can you give me an idea of those things? Yeah, the first phone call, Chad Holman said I'd be hearing from somebody named Prem Singh uh, because I had previously explained I needed a ground person, an advanced person who would set up appointments, uh, get me into uh, meetings, um, smooth the way, so to speak, be my guide. Um, I spoke with Prem Singh um, the night, I can't remember, it was a night in in April. uh, And then my next phone call was Prem Singh, uh, Shane Wenzel and Edith Wenzel. uh, They were all together. We went over um, some of the issues in broad strokes, and I said I would formulate a strategy. Um, The next time I spoke, it was Edith Wenzel and Prem Singh. When I arrived in Calgary, the week of Stampede, that was in 2019, I met them at a Starbucks uh, close to my hotel, Um, laid out the scheme in broad strokes, uh, how I would like to approach it, left the meeting. um, About an hour later, met up with Prem Singh. She said that... uh, uh, you're good to go, um, that we've got the money and you'll be paid before you leave for stamp, from Stampede. So I went to all my parties and uh, meetings, met up with uh, Nenshi's people, at least some of them that were on the council, met up with some Kenny's people. Um, and from there, I flew home, put together the rest of the job and returned the next week where I met Edith again, uh, gave her the entire uh, landscape of what I was going to do. It was approved. And um, we met Edith one more time, and that was in uh, October of 2019. And the last meeting I had was with Shane Wenzel face-to-face. It was myself, Prem Singh, and an associate of mine who was there for security. And that was in December of 2019. Did you ever witness a conversation between, like, uh, where the Wenzels were talking about um, the reason why they were putting it through Prem Singh? No, not at all. I'm just I mean, wondering. I, 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 I just I'm just knew that to... they had, uh, they had uh, used Prem uh, before, I'd imagine, to uh, donate money. Um, they had, uh, From what I've been told, and, and again, this is allegedly because I have no firsthand knowledge other than what I was told. Mm-hmm. And this came from uh, messages with Chad Holman and, uh, and uh, Prem Singh, where they spoke about a group that was uh, trying to defeat the Olympic bid for the uh, Winter Olympics in Calgary. And they said that uh, that was the top of the priority and the Wenzel's names were mentioned as being investors in that. But again, I don't have any firsthand knowledge of that. Um, the, the theoretical idea was to take a political donation and run it through a charity or an advocacy group or whatever it is. Political, um, political advocacy group or you know one of these nonprofits. I don't really know anything about the um, wannabe developer criminal world, uh, allegedly, but why pre-launder it? Like, why, why not just give someone cash? Like, like why go th- leave that breadcrumb in that organization? Because then they have to start building paperwork around what that twenty-five grand was for if it wasn't for something to do with the organization, no? Well, they're a little bit more practiced in criminality, so they always like to do it through a front. When you use the dum-dums like Dennis and uh, Holman, they just send you interact e-transfers. Yeah. 
But they didn't put anything in that message block that said what it was for. So it could be worth well, it. Well, it certainly wasn't for washing their cars or giving them Bible lessons. Yeah, the, I, I'm, um, the, the whole communication between myself and allegedly the I'm saying allegedly for everything. Hello, my name is allegedly James D. Fiore. Um, actually, David, for you, it could be allegedly. I don't know. <laughs> David Wallace was a you'll tell me in like 10 years. My real name's Chad Smith. I uh, found a David Wallace baseball card on a Greyhound once. I was like, okay. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Yeah, he's just uh, a little game. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at Four Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. You know, but uh, no, dude, you're a character. Trust me. There, there must be some weird story in your youth where you you know were found with russian gangsters gumas in some palace in paris or something you see my <laughs> life weird enough raised by freaking <laughs> you know intelligence officers or something. raised anyway, by a herd of wild poodles oh that i i wasn't expecting the wild poodle thing i thought yeah. you were gonna go more cutting edge but listen they i don't know how schemes normally work so i guess if you if you like put it through an organization you know, the organization is basically taking your shrapnel, taking the shrapnel. Um, it creates a conspiracy, quote unquote, allegedly, supposedly, because or I retract supposedly. Can you just do that? Can you, <laughs> are you, if you have a live show, are you allowed to go like this? I believe the Wenzels are guilty of something. You know, it's really allegedly, alle wait, 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 allegedly. Allegedly, I didn't mean the statement until I said allegedly, uh, and then you retract. Like, I mean, how does this work? This is why I don't like the idea of being able to get sued for speaking hyperbolically. You know, like that's the whole the whole point of being able to talk is so people can meet your ideas and tell you if they're good or, or bad. If someone says it's a bad idea for me to be taking um, shots at these at the Wenzel family because of what I am gleaning from the evidence in the Klondike papers. Oh, well, like, I, I, I don't know. You know, they, they, and listen, I don't, I'm not big enough to damage your developer company. <laughs> no one knows me in, in Alberta. It's not like, so that's why it feels like it will go away. It does. Well, here's the biggest problem. This is what people to be serious. This is the biggest fear that people should have right now. You're talking about a lawsuit coming from a very staunchly conservative family that are heavy donors to the conservative movement in Alberta. In fairness, a lot of people in Alberta are heavy. Well, that's true. But I do know that their political leanings are in lockstep with what is going on in, in Alberta right now. Mm -hmm. And this is a microcosm of what we're going to be facing if this brand of conservatism, if this blue wave that seems to be coming from Alberta moves forward we're going to be seeing complete people think the press is is muzzled now 
Right now, yes, it's muzzled. But what's it going to look like when this group gets a hold of it? Nobody's going to say nothing. Because if you do, well, you're going to get sued. You think that any slap legislation will stick around in Ontario or Quebec or any place else it has it? No, I don't think so. It's the I think problem. It I think it will. I, I think... Um... Really? You see what uh, Doug Ford's got cooking here in Ontario? I mean... Uh, I'm sure it's something is... on the barbecue in Muskoka, whatever. Yeah, well, this guy is, I'm telling you, pretty soon we're going to be... You know, people say that uh, you paint all these people with the same brush and, uh, and, and you know, you don't say this or this person wasn't here. They all swim in the same sewers, all right? And they asked that uh, when, when Hitler, when they tried to assassinate Hitler, was he the target? Was he... Listen, it's a room full of Nazis. They're all your targets, all right? Let's face well, Hitler's it. Kind we're talking of the- about a very stra- We're talking about people who believe in praying away the gay. We're we're talking about people. I'm talking about the power to be in Alberta. Pray away the gay, oil and gas. I mean, burn it all day. This is no way to build a future. This is the scary shit. These this is this is what's going on in this country today, where people look at this. I mean, it's a message fired across the bow to you, James. Any journalist, any journalist. Well, that- who wants to report on a story that's already, if you might be bringing embarrassment, well, you're open for a lawsuit. Wow. Didn't know I woke up in St. Petersburg this morning. Well, that's what I mean. It's, it's absurd on its face. So what, what what did they say? I said, so they, they, they gave me like, what is it? One, two, three, and like, there's a whole bunch of statements that they, that they said. Um, I said something like, I said, no, I said exactly this. The Klondike papers were real. Unlike, unlike contrary to what Justin Ling said. Thanks. They, they even they even went as far as like printing it verbatim to show me where I fuck up. Anyways, it's not a big book of conspiracy theories. It's the listen. Nobody has ever had to deal with all these star attorneys and these impeccable political fucktards in Alberta. Is fucktards okay? Like I fuck know it reminds people of the R word, but is it okay? I think it's good. Okay. <laughs> uh, just to let the record show that I'm. Um, asking and soliciting advice on what I can say from a man who said he was going to take out Alberta with a flamethrower. <laughs> like you know, Alberta didn't sue you, you know, they're not snowflakes. Okay. Um, the, these impeccable political fucktards in Alberta have ever had to deal with somebody who worked in the shadows for decades, deciding to shine lights to, to shine sunlight on the things that he did and who he did them for. David Wallace is a glitch in the matrix and all of these scandals that are coming out. And then she scandaled the Doug Ford thing with this Russian money. All these stories that have been vetted by reporters more seasoned than me reporters from the CBC global CTV Canada, and wherever have determined that these stories are true. First of all, I thought that was a pretty good statement. Um, unless fucked hearts is off limits now. And if it is, fuck. Um, but it, it's, it's, if, if the frivolousness of it means that you know, I they they could do it for sport, just to get back to what the alleged Mike Torigno guy said, you know, and I would just do podcast after podcast about the uh, cultural ridiculousness of suing for sport, and I would just, maybe it would like prompt an anti-slap legislation thing to to happen in Alberta. Like it just, you know, I, I know that the uh, there's a lot of bad guys out there; they control a lot. And they, you know, they want to be able to control certain systems and as best they can. But, you know, they also have to get voted in. They also have to. And, and you know, an NDP government is always a possibility now in Alberta. It just doesn't feel like it's it's 
it, it feels like it, it, it is right. It is the right time for a province like Alberta to maybe, you know, uh, peruse this because, I mean, with, with some of the cases that I've been looking at, you're aware of a couple of them, that, you know, there are people within the legal system in Alberta that work with each other even though they're on opposite sides of whatever it is that they're doing. And I'm not talking about mitigation or anything like that. I'm talking like um, things that would strongly imply that a person's lawyer, their personal attorney is actually working against them. Like stuff like that. Judges, questionable decisions, relationships with the lawyers that are present I'm reading this stuff and I'm just, you know, and I'm trying my best to be like, okay, you know, be agnostic about this information. And I am, you know, and I'm trying to, but wow, does it ever look like, especially one of the cases that, that it's just, it's fucking feels criminal. You know, I, I'm not saying anyone's name, so I guess I can say whatever I want. Um, but, um, now, you know what? Lawyers will find a way to sue. Mr. D. Fury was clearly implying that it was Jonathan Dennis. Um, anyways, it wasn't. There has to be uh, an appetite for for anti-slap legislation. And people actually probably mostly don't know what it is. Like if you ask the hundred Canadians what it is, what four, maybe five would tell you what it is. So, you know, um, it protects us, but it's not it's not something that's a household name. I would agree. I would agree. We need it, though. I mean, uh, Alberta needs it. They really do. But I mean, you've got a situation right there where the criminality in the UCP is off the charts. I mean, it's it's worse than than most foreign hellholes I've been to. It's uh, you've got a guy there, Alan Hallman, who's the power behind the throne. He's the one that engineered Danielle Smith's rise to the leadership. Um, Jason Kenny, I mean, you probably didn't catch on, but he's also the guy who stuffed the knife right in your back. So you lost the leadership race. I know you don't know that, but that's what happened. And um, you see, yeah, he's they, controlling they had her. a fall guy candidate, right? Well, hey, he's controlling her. And this is what's going on in that province. And that's a fact. And uh, Alberta, I mean, you need to know this is a guy. This is a bad guy. This is a guy who tries to set up cops. This is a guy who steals people's identities. I mean, the UCP leadership uh, uh, race with that identity theft, it was all about screwing over people in, in a vulnerable position in a minority community. And yeah. uh, we got some pretty dangerous shit. When the RCMP doesn't even want to touch something, it tells you. It tells you something. It's a, we got some really dangerous ideas emanating from uh, certain pockets in the population, and, and that needs to change. And it's happening in Ontario, too, here. I got to tell you, Doug Ford, yeah. I mean, he's gone now. He's gone to the cottage. I guess he's going to enjoy his uh, um, relaxation time with someone who, uh, well, probably everybody knows. The letter K is our name, a letter for today. Um, but I'm sure he'll be up there. And I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and uh, the fact of the matter is, with giving these mayors extraordinary powers, He's oh. basically building, shutting down dissent, shutting down uh, any any avenues out. It's all about developers, greenbelt developing. I mean, you're having your province broken up and stolen and sold out the back to a chop shop, Ontario. Let's wake up. It's uh, yeah, yeah. There's a lot. They're of doing stuff great. Happening. These conservative governments are doing great right now. I was recently a 
co-chair of a mayoral candidate. Um, I don't, we can't say his name yet, okay? Because uh, he still owes me money. <laughs> That's the only reason. And so I don't want to like, I, I don't want to, you know. Um, but he, uh, you know, being on that campaign, I mean, this isn't uh, anything about the candidate actually, but being on that campaign and finding out about the like infrastructure plans for this province in the next 10 years is like gargantuan. It's otherworldly. Like uh, Barry, Barry's going to go from 150,000 people to 300,000 people. It's going to double in size in a decade. That is like not unheard of. Like, there's golden horseshoe towns like Whitby. I know is like, cause I used to live there. It went from. The Barry's 23... already falling apart too. It's got one of the highest crime rates in Canada. The place used to be a paradise and it's turned into skid Wait, row. Got, where's uh, the, where's the criminal paradise? I said it's one of the criminal capitals of Canada, Barry, Ontario. It's oh, turned Barry, into yeah. human trafficking. You name it. It's and it's hash and hash oil dealers. It's it's turned into a real, real, real problem. It used to be a beautiful community, and it's it's fallen apart. Yeah, they put the safe injection sites to downtown. That was one of the issues that I was working on. Um, I actually drafted the policy for this candidate, where. Um, the the advocates want safe injection sites downtown and because they said that's where people who use them um, will be and the past mayor i think wanted to or no uh, there was uh, another proposal where they wanted out of downtown and then we just put it in a different location in downtown where the human traffic is less but it's still close by but but yeah the infrastructure projects the the railways hmm. the the development of houses the sprawl the new condos, the buildings, the refurbishing, and in some cases, replacement of um, irrigation and, and that kind of stuff inside cities and towns. There is so much money to be yeah. made. In the, and you know in the what? Town. You'll find the same pocketed developers are always the ones who are doing the work. And you'll yeah. know what? Those same developers you'll find sprinkled all throughout the GTA. Yeah, they did. Well, with about a billion and a half dollars of Russian sanctioned cash that's made its way in that I know personally. I keep quoting Ryan Lindley from, um, I can't remember if it was my podcast or, the, or Dean's show, but he said uh, something like, um, you know, it was very fortuitous for these green belt developers to buy land a year before an, any announcement was ever made that the land could even be developed in the first place. <laughs> It's just it is amazing that Doug Ford, the minister responsible, his daughter, the minister responsible, she's all of a sudden Doug Ford's communications officer. I mean, these coincidences, yeah. they just keep popping up. And then Brian Lilly with his gag ball and everything. like Brian Lilly. Oh, my God. The guy looks like Mr. Potato Head. With I, that hair, he looks like Christopher Walken, you know? But you know what's funny? If someone were to have asked me, well, even, you know what? Even now. Just because I now would be because it would more, be more interesting. But if someone said, James, you could either go to that hotel over there and there, at the top there's a party and it's like a, all the liberals. Like, and I'm not just being the politicians, but like the staffers and the machine that helps it. Or you could go to that hotel and it's conservatives. It, it wouldn't take me more than two seconds to just go over to the conservatives. It, I, I, have, I have been to liberal conventions and it's like, like people were like, um, I would like to ask a question to the former minister, but before I do, can I ask why you have a plastic water bottle? 
just like uh this is about sports like it, it's not even about that but it, it's there's a lot of that right there's just a ton of that Lip i think ontario needs another choice that's what i think because uh the liberal party has been bankrupted in ontario you've got the uh concern the ndp with uh well i don't even know what the hell they're standing on in ontario and uh they're at the end of the day on, they're standing they on need the a choice, they need a choice and people, trying to punch out of it <laughs> people see doug ford as a as a progressive conservative this man's neither progressive nor conservative he's his own brand he's trump on steroids in ontario i mean you see the same people it's it's basically it's a, it's a, it's a crime family that's all it is i mean um voter suppression selling off of our green belt of, of, of basically anything of value. When Doug comes over with his cabinet, you better hide the silverware. That's all I'll say. I don't have um, all of the uh, details of this. It's kind of just a cool story. I don't know if it's true or not at all. Um, but the when, when the liberals kind of like uh, designated the green belt, there were stories at the time, because I do remember at the time, but then someone else mentioned this recently, that we're saying, if you want to know where future development in Ontario is going to be, just go look at the green belt. <laughs> like that's what it really was. It, it wasn't a, a a project that was um, entirely intended just to show uh, Ontario's environmental bona fides. It was also to show developers where they could nibble, right? Like and where they where they expected the growth to be, which is like just like insider trading or something. Like, Absolutely, I mean, it is. Absolutely. is. It's part of the sleight of hand. I mean, uh, we see it every day. I'm not going to sit here and say the liberal government is the greatest government in the world because they're not. I mean, uh, case in point, um, how our policing services, our, our, our intelligence agencies have fallen apart under their watch, I may add. And I'm not going to say it's all their fault, but here's the problem. If you know you have a intruder in your house, you throw him out of your house. If necessary, you kill him, but he's gone. But they let that fester in our services. And now we have policing services and agencies that have completely divided loyalties. It's wishy-washy government, and that needs to stop. If you kill him for fun, do you plant the gun beside him or still in his hand? No, you don't You don't kill for fun. I mean, basically, but if... Uh, like I said, you have an intruder in your house. You don't you don't invite him in and uh, you don't tell him to make himself comfortable and bring friends. But that's what's happened. And that's why we're in very dangerous territory every time a false flag operation like the convoy happens. Because our agencies have divided loyalties, something dangerous could happen. A politician could be shot. Uh, innocent people could die. I mean, democracy could fall. And, and uh, don't think that the bad guys don't don't see that. But we have this divided loyalties. And I know directly where they're coming from. They're coming from the extreme religious right. These are the dupes. The people doing it, religion doesn't mean anything to them. They're the businessmen. Those are the guys who are washing the cash over the border. Those are the guys yeah. who own the corporations. We're talking about oligarchs. And the type of oligarchs I'm talking, mostly energy oligarchs. The ones that we see in Alberta. The ones who are against you and I having any equality in this life. Um, well, we're two white guys, so we're pretty equal. Except for the hair, I should be oppressed when black. I stand. I should be oppressed when I consider it oppressed when I stand next to you just because of the hair. James, but look, people—black, white, gay, straight, man or woman—it doesn't matter. 
you are either part of their club or you're not. There's no distinction. And yeah. if you're not part of the club, as George Carlin said, well, you ain't you're nothing. Not in it. Yeah. That's it. And this is the way of life that needs to be changed. And this is the, the we're going backwards. We're going backwards. We have people who can't even agree on, on, on vaccines. We have people who don't want to wear a mask for a political statement. Um, we have people who'd rather medical exemption, David, medical exemption. Go ahead. You know what I'm saying? What I'm saying is we, we have parties now where irregardless of what the issue is, their default position is to take the opposite side of everything. There's no more working together. There's no coalition. There's no anything. And that's what we need. Um, I, I don't know what we need, to be honest with you. Um, I, I'm pretty infamous for saying that I vote NDP in every single federal election. And the reason is, and this is the the bit line, everybody, this is the punchline, um, because they haven't had a chance to wreck the family car yet. And I think it's only fair since their two siblings have wrecked it over and over and over again. So, and that's it. That is my only, because I, I can't bring myself to contribute to the revolving door of liberals, conservatives, and just their different styles of corruption. That's really that's all it. Is. Yeah, that's it. That's, so, the, that's the key word. Different styles of corruption. You got one wing and then you got the other. Right? Well, that's it seems like liberals lean on bureaucrats <clears throat> to do partisan things. And not the conservatives don't do that I, too. But I'm not talking about, but here's the thing. Liberal people who are members of the Liberal Party, I'm not talking about the government itself. I'm talking about just the average Joe walking the street. I'm not, I'm not referencing them at all because they have liberal views and, and there's nothing wrong with having liberal views. You no, know, no, I'm makes, talking about the party. It makes life a lot better. Yeah. Uh, but what scares me is it's not just the leadership of staunchly conservative people. It, it's, it's the, it's the actual rank and file. They seem to think that any any means justifies the ends, and that is dangerous. And that's a new thing. This is twenty. The last twenty years have gotten very bad. The last five years have gotten even worse. It seems to be there's. We don't care what you do in pursuit of this power. Anything is acceptable, and that's the difference that I see between the two parties. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of pieces that kind of led up to this. Um, you know. Um, Noam Chomsky says it was not even when Reagan started. It was like um, when they dropped the nuclear bomb is really when it happened. The John Birch Society morphed into this and centers and people that belong to that and yada, yada. And it kept going throughout the generation to until it got to Reagan. And then Reagan um, sort of injected that voting base with a bunch of like incentives, like tax breaks and all this kind of stuff. And at the same time, all these religious groups got all these tax breaks. And then all these religious groups turned out to be political recruiting groups. And there's a book called The Power Worshippers. It breaks all of this down. <clears throat> Excuse me. And they, you know, they, they talk about how a lot of people will join an organization because they believe in the political cause, right? And what they end up becoming is like a de facto and completely unbeknownst recruiter for the party or 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 at least uh someone spreading the issue that the that uh that group is responsible for and paid to do by a lobby group or whatever or a corporation and anyways but it all feeds um in the states it all feeds things like anti-abortion laws you know um i i, I think they've given up on the gay thing but 
you know, they, they want to be able to, there's a lot of um, sort of lukewarm white, Southern white kind of male rage at, uh, you know, the, 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 the caricature would be like, I just think I should be able to fly my Confederate flag. Like, like that is basically your average, you know, person in, in, in a lot of places. And so they look at them as voter blocks and they, I just talked about this because of uh, Christine Anderson, the uh, German member of parliament that I had on, and I've had Max Bernier on, where eventually they do have to reconcile, or there must be moments inside strategy or messaging um, with your communications team where you are like, you know, if we go too inclusive, we're going to lose, I know they're racist, but like 6% here. <laughs> Should we just tone down the finger wagging? And I think they do. And I don't like it because I just think it lacks courage and I don't actually agree with the math. I think that they would, a lot of people, they would absorb a lot more people than they would lose with the statement that appealed to diversity. So it's cynical, right? And the, you know, and, and then now, and then, and then it was the tea party and then it was, and then Sarah Palin and all that stuff. And then Trump in the States here, we're kind of at the stage where the tea party is just getting set up. We're, we're kind of at that stage, I think. That's you know, the problem and that, with all politicians, though, isn't it, though, James? They all they all want to say, what's going to get me the most votes? Uh, I might lose that 6%. Why not just go up and say what you believe in? Why not just, yeah. tell, why not just tell people flat out what you're going to do? Do what you say. Say what you do. And if you win, you lose. Let the chips fall where they may. But wouldn't you have some integrity? Wouldn't the Canadian people rather prefer to, to vote for somebody with integrity? I mean, whatever that is, but aren't we sick of politics as usual? I mean, when we, we're just going to keep going round and round in circles um, until what? Until our society falls apart? I mean, it's happening right now. I'm pretty sure there's segments in this podcast that we can turn into a good campaign ad for you. Yeah, I don't want to be a politician. I couldn't last because I couldn't That's worry perfect. about what might oh get God, me 6% you're a natural. of the you're a natural. Well, See, so far in this interview, percent of the corruption vote in Alberta. If you say that, so far in this interview, you said, um, "What was the first thing that you said?" Oh, you know, we have to learn how to do politics differently. That—that's very politician speak. And then, what did you just say? Um, the uh, the politics of, oh no, I'm not a politician. I'd never be a politician. I know you're doing it. Right I now. couldn't do like, the job. I, I mean, I'm just—I'll tell you one thing. I may not be a politician, but I know I can tell you when politicians are lying because every time they open their mouth, they're lying to you. And I think I'm sick of it. Yeah. And I'm the guy who cleaned up the messes for these uh, uh, moral and uh, you know virtuous individuals. So I know exactly what we're dealing with. The fact is most of them are soulless, vacant-eyed windbags who don't have one belief in the world, no matter which color or which flag they fly. And for me, that scares the hell out of me. Because you know, I'd rather have you an broadbent or a, or a, even give me a Stephen Harper because even though he's a lunatic, you know that he believes in his cause. I wouldn't vote for him. Uh, a a broadbent. So I mean, do arms dealers. Like, hey, look. Know. Even even if you look, uh, even uh, um, even Jean Chrétien, even Trudeau at times, you can look at them and you can tell. Okay, some of these things they they might actually believe in, but uh, not often. It now it seems like being the CEO of a corporation. I think Justin Trudeau believes very strongly in gay rights, for sure. Well, there you go. Hey, look, somebody's got to believe in something. What I'll tell you is, to me, 
I mean, I want to see a politician who doesn't give a damn about the polls and and does what they actually think is right. You're such a natural. I think we should be doing politics differently. And by the way, I'm not a politician. First of all, these polls, they're just disinformation. They're not like you're you've already like we're good. We should run for the leadership of the liberals. Why don't you do that? Well, where where are they going to where in Ontario? Sure, I'll run in Ontario. You know what I'd I'm like to do about that? I would love to do that for one day if I could have one day with Doug Ford in a debate. But they they got to let him speak. Yeah. <laughs> Is that a bit? Did you just say that for real? You're not yeah, referencing yeah, something? They'd never let him speak. You know how it is. They keep no, but I, I did, but I did, but I did appear on stage during a mayoral uh, election in 2010, and debated Doug's father. Doug's father? What's the Doug's father? Doug's brother, um, Rob Ford, along with George Smitherman and Joe Pantaloni and Rocco Rossi, and um, that would have been fun. And and and, and no, but the, but the reason why I laughed at what you said, because what you said was, um, you know, just like uh, have a debate with Doug Ford and let him talk. I had a debate with Rob Ford and at one point Rob Ford was booed by the crowd at the art gallery of Ontario and Rocco Rossi at the end of the applause is like, you know, it's really just better to let him talk. And everyone was like, what? So what are the odds that you would crack a joke like that on this podcast? That's weird. That's very odd. It's a good thing I don't believe in shit because I'd be like, man, you know, sometimes, man, it's just like the universe is trying to tell you things, man. And it's, I, I hate feeling like that, even though my eyes often look like that. Like, now, Look, you know what? I think what we need, and this is the good thing about the fix when it comes on, um, we're going to take historic situations that have already happened and we're going to go behind the curtain and we're going to break down the setups for you and show you exactly how these jobs oh, are done. But we're also, in addition, going to be um, doing episodes and showing the mechanics on how current event situations might be unfolding for real in the background. It's uh, going to be kind of a how-to guide or how to spot uh, how to spot the fix in every job because every news story that hits a headline has gone through a person like my's hands, and uh, it's uh, before it's ended up on the screen. And before you've read it, it's been sanitized, it's been finalized, and it's been uh, delivered to you in nice bite-sized morsels. But uh, it's mostly a bunch of bullshit, and we're going to show um, you the truth. Also, in that picture, you look like every villain in every Lethal Weapon movie. <laughs> you do. Um, David and I have, it was funny because we were like talking today about what logo to use and everything. And I actually thought it would be a funny or a fun conversation to have in front of people because, you know, it's interesting what all the different incarnations of what we're trying to do with your podcast and the elevator pitch that I give to people is. We're going to be the only show in, I believe, the world, but at least North America, that features the dark political arts from the only known whistleblower who was a notorious political fixer, who is sharing all of his stories on one show. And look at it like this. It would be like watching a show with a really good magician that's giving away all of the magician tricks that there are out there. And how disruptive that is. 
you know. Exactly. It kind of uh, screws up business for the ones that are still playing three-card money in the park and taking your money. Well, you know what? Um, and so hopefully uh, if we can, uh, you know, not call them, you know, maggots in the cesspool fuckers all the time or whatever, because um, I think it would be amazing to have them on. Like, I would love oh. to have a show where it's like, and welcome, a man rumored to smell like a spilled beer in the trunk of a 1970s Chevelle in the Badlands in July, Alan Holman. Alan, you know, and I just wonder if they would just do it just because, just for the, just for the sport, you know, just to make yeah, it the sport, so fun. Yeah. Yeah. Now they, Why, uh, they might, who knows, in the future. Well, listen, I'm looking forward to it. We don't have a date set yet, um, but it's coming and uh it's gonna be dope like we're i don't want to say any of the guests yet okay because i want to you know i want to surprise people but we can we can give one hint though we can give one hint that it's only in america only in america yeah see the way you said it now everyone knows who it is well actually that was really bad that was a really bad don king impersonation okay i'll just give it away now everyone's gonna know it is in about 10 seconds um so so he's he's floating around uh we the dates that we haven't nailed yet is really the kind of thing, but David has had such an interesting life. And can you just, before we go, tell the story about the man that you used to watch boxing with for 10 years until then you found out something about him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've always been a big boxing fan. So I used to, uh, in the late eighties, early nineties, I'd uh, fly to Vegas. Um, and I'd sit wherever the fights are or Atlantic city. I'd go to the convention center. I used to watch Vinny fight there a lot. Vinny Pazienza, Vinny Paz, the former lightweight, uh, junior middleweight, uh, middleweight champion of the world. Um, we were buddies, so I'd watch all his fights. But I would go in early and watch all of the uh, card. And usually there's nobody there. There's just a scattering of people. The arena fills up during the main event or close to the main event. And uh, for about 10 years, uh, there was always a guy who was there early. And, uh, you know, big guy, tall guy, baseball cap. And he sat there and he had some programs. And uh, we started chit-chatting one day. And he was a big fight fan. And uh, his favorite fighters were the Ruelas brothers, Gabe and uh, Raphael. And uh, we talked. And I knew him as Gene. And, um, you know, we were never sat in seats. So we just chat for an hour or two before the arena started filling up because we were both boxing fans. And we'd go to... Uh, We'd go to our own seats. You know, he was down ringside. I wasn't. And uh, then one day somebody came up and asked Gene for his autograph. And, and it turned out it was Gene Hackman. And I, I remember saying to him, I go, I, I, I didn't know you were Gene Hackman. Um, and he says, I know. That's why I talked to you. So uh, great guy. <laughs> and, then, and, great and then he walked fan. up, turned the corner, and I never saw him again. <laughs> He's a great fight fan. Great guy, too. Really nice guy. Yeah, you've yeah, had a fascinating life. So, so the the again, I want to triple uh, confirm that everyone understands. David is the star of the show. I'm just going to throw things to like you know compliment what he does. Segments. I mean, I'm sure the, lots of things are going to change. Um, you know, as we kind of feel it out. But the cool thing is, is there's so many options because, I mean, we we were talking about doing these uh, fun games of speculation where if you're watching a scandal unfold, we could speculate on what's going on behind the scenes to facilitate the scandal, and we can speculate what they might do on the other side in order to answer. 
And, and, and I think those kinds of things are interesting, especially if we're like never, ever right. That would be just be funny in and of itself. Like we, we, I'd be able to pull that content off, I think. But the, you know, the, the stories that you've done obviously are crazy. Um, and the, you know, again, the, the, the uniqueness of you, the uniqueness of having a political fixer who has blown the whistle on their own capers and pulled the curtain on all the vampires that they work for is fucking delicious, you know, and, and I've never seen it before. So that is why I attached myself to your idea and I will never let go now. <laughs> Look at how it's working out for you. You've been sued already. Yeah. What the, like, you know, there should be a, uh, a David Wallace kind of, you know, clause in my contract where I, you know, I get to use the network's lawyers in case you <laughs> get me in trouble. In case I think it's inevitability. David Wallace, thank you for joining us tonight. I appreciate it. Hell yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think anything's gonna happen with the with the libel notice, but we'll see. I'm supposed to answer it by December 22nd. I guess to give um my letter in which I imply the middle finger. Uh, but no, I think you have to be all professional. I'll, I'll get an equally impressive looking legal letter. Um, and I'll say things like, James DeFiore broadcast his... I always do that accent. You're right, guys. Um, but it's not Boris Johnson. I don't think it is. I think Leanne once told me that it was Christopher Hitchens. When I break into a Bridget accent, you see, it's, it's much because I'm, I'm trying to explain something. And now I can't do it because it's on point. I can't do accents. I was famous for doing an accent in high school that was something like, I can't tell where I'm from because I don't know how to do British ones unless I'm drunk. I don't get drunk anymore. I do get stoned. Just a little bit. And have the pasties. So we'll see you next time on Blackboard. Did Will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holawati from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. 
Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent. Almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.